Vincent the Dude. What's happening? Oh, man. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon from Freight Alley, everybody. Hey, you know, one of my uh, rock star uh, idols passed away yesterday. Yeah, I was sorry to hear it about uh, yeah. Rolling Stone's drummer, right? Yeah, the best dressed man in rock and roll, Mr. Charlie Watts, passed away yesterday, my friend. Mm. Mm. You got any favorite albums? Yeah, I've been in the MP3 era so long that, like, usually I'm just listening by song. So I like the, you know, I like the favorites, Sympathy, Sympathy for the Devil, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Give Me Shelter, yeah. Paint It Black, of course. Solid. Um, the only one I really don't like, the only, like, Stone song that I absolutely hate is Start Me Up, and I blame all those, like, Windows 90s commercials, <laughs> and it's just, like, the worst <laughs> earworm ever. It is, I agree, I agree. It is a bad, it's, it was not a solid effort. But uh, for me, if anybody wants to comment or whatever, I'm saying uh, Exile on Main Street, just a hair over Let It Bleed. Excellent yeah. albums. Well, yeah. on the show today, we got a ton of guests. So we're talking to Cherie Moore about her upcoming Truck Expo, as well the story behind her appearance on Breaking Bobby Bones on Disney+. Plus. If you guys haven't seen Breaking Bobby Bones, it's an excellent show. They have um, an expert or someone who works within an industry. Bobby Bones is the, the host of the show. He goes down, he kind of learns what they do. So there's one where he's on top of wind turbines, fixing wind turbines, yeah. and he has to go through that. On the one with uh, Cherie, he had to learn how to become a truck driver. And she teaches him how to do it, and they go into her personal story. It's excellent stuff. Just 22 minutes long, Disney+. Plus. Check it out. She'll be with us here today to talk about that event and that as well. We're going to have Reliance Partners Brian Runnels. He's going to drop into the office today. He's going to drop the gavel on mock trials and get us prepared for trucking court cases. Very cool. And if you have been following the news, there was just a billion-dollar nuclear verdict dropped down, so very timely with him. We've got Blue Dot's Nate Schutz. He's going to join us to discuss managing employee mental health and stress. This topic has been coming up more and more as the pandemic persists, so it's going to be great to talk with him. And we're about to talk driver pay and shortages with OIDA. But first, we got to tip the band. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Tell em, Dude. Hey, go to locomation.ai immediately after this show. And right now with us, we got Norita Taylor. She's the director of public or public relations at OIDA. Easy for me to say. Norita, thank you for joining us today. Hey, my pleasure. Happy to join you guys. So one thing I like about OIDA is you're not afraid to be blunt. And this week, August, this, this week of August, uh, you've come out with a couple things. One of them was uh, challenging and refuting what the ATA was saying about driver pay and how it was driving inflation, which um, I agree with you guys. It sounds ridiculous. And also about the driver shortage, which might be a little bit more of a controversial topic. But let's get into it. What was the letter that you sent to the Department of Commerce and what was OIDA's contention? Sure. So we sent a letter to the Department of Commerce in response to something that we saw reported uh, about the International Trade Administration's Advisory Committee on Supply Chain Competitiveness. Boy, that's a long name. Anyway, uh, that committee had been telling the Department of Commerce, hey, you need to uh, do something about this driver shortage. And so we wanted to kind of raise our hand and say, uh, wait just a minute here. Um, there's some more information you need to know about this driver shortage myth, which is for one thing is that it's really about high turnover. You know, if you've got a leaky bucket, you don't fix the leaky bucket by just pouring more water, by just opening the pool of more drivers. You need to fix the leak. And we call the leak high turnover or churn. Mm. 
unbelievable. So um, when you're when you're looking at this, it, it, we're, we're, you're saying that the high turnover rate is really the cause of what is happening here as far as driver shortage, right? Right. So we've been hearing about driver shortage in mainstream and in trade for, for a long time, for decades. And basically what's really happening is that there's, you know, sometimes as much as 90 percent turnover. Well, that that's not a shortage. That's a surplus. And we need to take a look at all the inefficiencies in the trucking industry. Like there's a shortage of parking. There's excessive wait times at loading and unloading docks. There's issues with training. There's also the issue of uh, the exemption from overtime, all of these things together, we could, if we were to fix those things, we wouldn't be complaining about a supposed driver shortage. Now, Narita, the, the counter argument that, that people would make in this and people who are proponents of there being a driver shortage and who perpetuate what you're calling a myth, they would say they would point to the market, right? And they would say that for months on end, rates have been over $3 a mile, mm -hmm. 20% of contracted loads are being rejected, recruiters are talking about their challenges of bringing in drivers. But are you saying that that's systemic of the other reality of other things going on within the industry? It's not only that, but, you know, coming out of that pandemic, there has been a surge in uh, demand. And I think that that combined together is making rates go up. That's not going to last forever. That's going to that's going to um, end at some point, And we'll still probably still be hearing about a supposed driver shortage. Yeah. Moving as we go forward, there will still be that shortage. So it's it's really a perception type of thing that's going on here. And do you think that some of these uh, these wars of trying to get uh, I, I guess they're hiring wars, if you will, uh, driver pay is kind of uh, causing this situation for the carriers? Compensation is a, a major part of it. If we could pay drivers better, train them, better working conditions, benefits, all those things that, oh, normally make people want to stay in their job instead of if you have problems with all those things, then they you know, are leaving the industry. Instead of having this driver churn, driver turnover, we need to be focusing on driver retention, making this a career path that's attractive to people, making it a viable career path, a strong industry, all of these things that would be positive and make it attractive to people to not only enter the industry, but to stay in it. Norita, I agree with you, but but looking forward, and, you, and you've mentioned it here, so when we are looking forward, you look at the age of new drivers being an average of, I think it's 38, and the average driver that's currently driving is 54. Is there a long-term concern, though, that there could be something that you would qualify as a driver shortage if we do not get younger participants into this driver pool? I, I think it's fair enough to say we want to get younger people involved in the trucking industry, but I think that there are ways to do that without just outright opening up the door to 18 and above. Here you go in an 80,000-pound truck on the interstates. I think that we could uh, come to the table with some better ways to do that, some safer ways to do that, some safer ways to do that. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. I think there's ways to get people interested in the industry coming out of high school, et cetera, and that type of thing before they get sucked into other industries. There's promotions, there's ads, and that type of stuff that's going on. One of those things is like Cowan announcing that they're giving twenty thousand dollar bonuses to new drivers, pulling them away from other places. Mm -hmm. Right? Does that that doesn't do anything really for retention? Uh, and I'm sure it doesn't do much for current drivers that are there. Right? It's only the new drivers. Yeah. Well, the, the thing with these promises of bonuses, they, they usually come with some pretty um, strict caveats. You have to remain with the company for a certain amount of time. You have to meet some um, 
qualifying factors throughout that time and they'll find reasons to discount those and you don't get that bonus so that's kind of a buyer beware type of situation and and the other thing with these promises of high pay at certain um you know earlier this summer there were some advertisements for certain kinds of industries within trucking and those were really not about new company drivers those were really about owner operators why would the ATA blame driver pay for inflation, which seems incredibly ridiculous? When we're putting trillions yeah. of dollars in stimulus into the economy. I mean, Afghanistan's all over the news. We spent $300 million a day there. I mean, you're telling me, and you look at steamship lines charging $25,000 for containers. You're telling me that it's driver pay that's impacting inflation. Do you really want <laughs> me to believe that? Why would they say something like that? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for them. I will say that driver pay has been pretty stagnant for decades. And if it had kept up with inflation and kept up with the rest of the world, you know, it'd be well into the six figures for, for truck drivers. So sorry. Well, no, I mean, I'm glad you I'm no. glad you spoke up because some of those articles yeah. go out there and then mainstream journalists pick them up and people get this sort of like impression that all of a sudden drivers are overpaid when it could be it could be anything further from the truth. In fact, when you talk about this driver shortage issue, it's directly tied into that pay as we already covered. Yeah. These two issues are directly tethered together. And the less drivers you have, right? You can't attract the industry. That's when you're paying more money for these rates. Yes. It's it's ridiculous. I, I, thank you for standing up, though, and being a voice for the truckers on some of these issues and, and setting something straight. Before we let you go, what's at stake here with the Department of Commerce? You sent the letter to them. What's the next step? Well, the next step would be to find out if we can participate on these committees or at least um, communicate with them directly more about uh, what we can offer, what kind of input. You know, there's the MIXAC sub subcommittee that's made up of truck drivers. So, hey, how about we get uh, input from actual truck drivers on some of these issues? I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with that. For that. Noreen, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for uh, your service to the industry. And um, as this story develops, we'll be sure to be reaching back out to you and stay in communication. We appreciate your time today. You bet. Anytime. Thanks, Dorita. Yeah, hey. it, it's interesting, my friend. I mean, it, some of the motivation. Why? Behind some of those statements. It is. And it seems it, 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 it's so sometimes statements are so disingenuous, right? Sometimes yeah. statements are so disingenuous that it's almost infuriating because it works against the very needs we have to have in this industry and it can be damaging and uh, i i'm glad Owida steps up on, on yeah some absolutely of these it's damaging oh, the the possibility of getting a solution well hey guess what we got company in studio right now know who just walked in look what the cat dragged in it's brian runnels he is vice president of safety at reliance partners and he's here to talk about the benefits of mock trials and he's coming at a perfect time because brian i don't know if you saw the news but a one billion dollar nuclear verdict has just been dropped down in an awful case that happened in 2017 where a college, a college student was actually involved in two truck accidents. There's a truck accident that caused a giant delay. This guy's stuck in his car for an hour. Then another truck comes, 70 miles per hour, cruise control, doesn't stop their brakes until like the instant before it hits, kills this dude, nuclear verdict, $1 billion. Let's make sense of all this and also how we can prepare for trials that result in this. Brian, thanks for coming. Hey, real happy to be here. I'm glad you guys were able to get me in the studio. Very cool to be here. Well, I guess let's start there because that's topical. What do you think of this news? Because these nuclear verdicts, they're, they're, you know, it's almost like it's almost like athlete salaries where like an agent wants a huge number. The lawyers seem to be doing the same thing with these trucking nuclear verdicts with these figures that nobody's really going to get paid on. No one's getting a billion dollars, really, yeah. but it looks good in a headline. It does, and it, it'll continue to grow um, as the, you know, once the precedent's been set and once the bar's been set, the, they're going to try to raise it on the, the next verdict. And you're right, with the insurance limits or 
you know, with the company's assets, even if they go after everything, they're not going to come close to a billion dollars in settlement. But it's out there, and we, we as an industry have to do a much better job at understanding the reptile theory and, and what they're using against us uh, when it comes to these trials. Yeah, absolutely. And so, Brian, you went through, and thanks for coming into the, sh- to, to the studio today. So you went through mock trials. Let's talk about that a little bit and how it relates to this. You're talking about we need to have a little bit better understanding, or much better understanding of how these things work. And uh, so, so let's talk about that. How do these mock trials, what did you go to talk about that? This one was put on by the State Trucking Association in Indiana, and um, a very large trucking defense firm put the program on. Um, and what it was, it's an actual case that happened a few years back. They had the, a very, very condensed version of the case. You know, we used, quote-unquote, actors as, as people, as witnesses, and uh, the attorneys were real. Uh, they were, they were the, the defense companies or the defense attorneys' lawyers. And you get a good sense of the information that's going to be put out there in front of you if you ever have to go to a trial or if your company's involved in one of these trials, you get a really good understanding of some of the things that are said and some of the tactics that are tried, that are attempted to be used against you. And as trucking professionals, you know, we, we sat on the jury. I, I was very lucky to be the foreman of the jury on this particular one. And it was very, very frustrating to, to see some of the, the antics that were used to basically try to get us angry at the trucking company. Now, yeah. how do these mock trials really? work? So, like, when I, I, I've done improv uh, in high school, I, I, I did debate, and we did similar stuff like this, but what does a, uh, a mock trial look like in, you know, in something like, like a Reliance would set up or something that you have experience with? What's the process? Process is it, it goes through basically an entire trial, no matter how long it took. This one took about six hours to get through. Um, obviously, the real thing was much longer, but... It gives you a good sense. There are opening arguments. There are witness statements. There are uh, closing arguments. It, it's, it's all the steps. And then there's actually jury deliberation uh, after, uh, after the whole, both lawyers do their thing and the closing argu- arguments come out. Then they sequestered us in a room and, you know, we had to actually come up with what we thought w- what the uh, outcome would be. And That's- luckily for us, we came to the same conclusion that the real jury came up with. Uh, the trucking company was found not guilty on this one. And, you know, as, as we sat on the, on the, the jury, it, it was so challenging to suspend everything that you believe and everything that you know is right and just go with the information that was being fed to you. Uh, we all knew that because of, you know, it was all safety professionals, insurance people, and we knew darn well that if this was a real jury, we would have not been anywhere close to this trial. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it was very, very interesting to, to hear all those arguments, witness statements, um, and, and go through the process of deliberating. That's really, I bet it's very, very difficult to have something presented and then they say, hey, objection, okay, ignore that as the jury, right? <laughs> like you're saying, trying to suspend what you already heard or believe, that type of stuff. Do you, are you only jury or, and, and who are the other participants or do you get to like pick? Can you be like a prosecuting attorney and go through that type of stuff or no, it's just purely you're deliberating as a jury? Strictly as a jury. Uh, we were 
pretty much picked that morning out of all the attendees that were there. Uh, some of the, the attendees were, like I said, were actors and, and witnesses, and they were able to prep beforehand. They were given information on what they were supposed to talk about and you know, what they saw and what they understand. But as a jury, we had, excuse me, we had no prior knowledge of anything that was going on. They asked us if we would do it that morning and we agreed and we were starting with a clean slate. We, so uh, that's how this particular one worked. And you know, there are a lot of insurance companies and state associations and national associations that put these on. And I would really put it out there for someone to attend one because it, you know, like you say, we're seeing the big verdicts even bigger now. And we're seeing, I saw an article that came out this morning on how the reptile theory is still being used uh, and will continue to be used because let's look at the verdicts. It's very, very effective. So what are the mistakes that a lot of trucking companies are making when they're going into these trials and they're falling into that reptile, uh, that reptile brain trap and they're not saying the right things and in many cases they might be triggering you know, a jury response. What do you have to be mindful of? You know, I think as, as a whether it's the driver that's going to be put on the stand or whether it's uh, any of the witnesses or, you know, being prepared for a, a counter argument, you really need to uh, listen to what your attorneys are, are putting out there, are, are how they're preparing you for the, the trial and understanding that, look, I'm going to say this and they're probably going to say this and you have to be able to have a good response and make people understand that you're not the enemy on this one. But the problem is, is we've got an image issue as an industry, and it's hard for a trucking company to overcome when there's something as drastic as, as a, uh, a large sum of money being, potentially being divvied out on a, on a jury award. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so um, this is this is kind of reactive to what to where things are. Are there things to take away from this that can help you be more proactive before something like this were to happen? I think that the being able to be involved in something like that and having an understanding of how it works and how how words are going to be used against you to be able to go back and keep that in your mind as you're doing driver training, as you're having driver meetings, as you're working with your management and operations staff saying, look, we, we have to do these things to keep us from being involved in, in one of these big trials. I, being reactionary and bringing that information back to be proactive is probably about the best thing you can do. So what is your recommendation? So there's, there's going to be a lot of executives who uh, yesterday and today, they're seeing that headline, that billion dollar verdict there, you know, there, there's obviously a huge scare factor when you see a number like that. I'm sure the phones might be blowing up over at Reliance over things like that. What yeah. do you advise trucking companies moving forward who may not have the protection to, to be solvent that, that, that they may need? Well, you, you get as much insurance as you possibly can, can afford. And, and we also know that that is somewhat of an issue for trucking companies right now, too, because the cost of insurance is going up because of verdicts like this. And, you know, it, the excess markets are, are very, very difficult to deal with right now um, to, to get the higher limits. So the best thing you can do is have what you can afford and put your company in a position to protect yourself with, like we talked about, with driver training, with, with um, having a good understanding of what the best steps 
to take to be a safe company and avoid these, um, avoid these possibilities, whether it's through technology, whether it's through training, whether mm -hmm. it's through communication, you know, all those things are super important for a company to avoid these types of problems. Right. So, Brian, obviously the best thing to do for all of us is, is to is to be safe and not have the accidents where somebody's there's a death involved. Right. And, and to also protect yourself with that with that insurance. Are, are there other things like if, if are there other holes in the system that you've you've done all the training you got all this, and it just happens right you've gone through all the things you got the data you're being proactive it just happens are there other holes like communication holes or somewhere like that where they try and exploit that like you said they were trying to get you to hate the trucking company right uh, where are those holes that are beyond that they actually did have a safety program they did hire the best drivers the guy was and it just happened well yeah uh, there's always the what ifs. And, yeah. you know, when you, when you actually have that accident and you've done everything you can possibly do, it's right now in the, the tenor of, of what we're dealing with, it's very difficult to not have a jury get, or, or, or I should say uh, a plaintiff's attorney, yeah. not turn a jury on the trucking company. It, it's hard for that not to happen. We're the big bad bullies on the road. And you know, very, very few people have not had that one bad interaction with a truck driver. I, unfortunately, it, it's true. Um, you know, whether it's the, the truck that's come up on them and been real close, what are, whether it's a, an accident that happened to someone they, they love. You know, Dooner, you and I talked about that a couple months back uh, when it came to an accident that I was involved in and, yeah. you know, the damage that is done just generation after generation. So, you know, the image of the, the, of the trucking world <clears throat> as a whole has got to improve. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, I really try to talk to our customer base about and get them to do it one truck, one company, um, one region at a time and, and improve that image because you can put all that stuff in play. You can put all the training and the technology and, and everything in play but when you're sitting there in a courtroom, everybody in that jury doesn't know that you've done all that. Yes, your attorney's going to try to explain that, but they've always got it somewhere in the back of their mind that, you know what, I had that bad experience with, with mm. that one driver five years ago, whatever it was, and this is the result of that. It's something like this that happens, and it, it's a difficult thing to overcome. Brian, what's next for you? It's a hot, muggy, gross day here in Chattanooga. I know you walked out of the studio. You're going to walk out here. What's next over at Reliance? What's on your desk? Oh, I get uh, customer visits. And, you know, as we in increase our safety platform at Reliance, uh, we're going to be going out and, and visiting many of our, all of our fleet accounts that we can and get them more prepared for things like this. And, you know, let's face it, conference season starting to come up too. So we're going to start going out and seeing a lot of folks at, at different conferences and just being in front of as many people as we can because the, you can't change the safety of somebody unless you're in front of them. And so that someone very wise taught me that many, many years ago, and I fully believe it to this day. Well, Brian, Excellent here, stuff. here's your parting gift. It's a trip around the wheel of stupid questions, so let's see what it lands it on, and we'll see what he gets us back. All right, All right, what do you got? Go. Here we go. You are familiar with the band, the Rolling Stones, right? Yes. Okay, so. Who just lost their drummer. They yesterday. did. That's exactly right. We opened the show with that. Yes, yeah. Mr. Charlie Watts passed away yesterday. Can a movie be considered a true Vietnam War movie without painted black somewhere in the soundtrack? Hmm. 
I would say no. <laughs> I agree with you. I got to agree. Thank you for hey, that. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for your time <laughs> on the show today. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. See ya. Reliance Partners, man. You can just head out right over. Exit stage left, sir. Yeah. Exit stage left. There he goes. We don't mean to give it a hook, but get <laughs> out. You got another one. You're keeping that seat warm. <laughs> you got the hot seat warm for our next guest, Sheree Moore. <laughs> Michael Vincent, I sent you some homework. I said, you, you I know did. you got a Disney Plus account, you and your daughters. Why don't you turn off Rye and the Last Dragon for, for once <laughs> in your life and put on Breaking Bobby Bones and check out our lovely guest on here who was learning, or not even learning, she was teaching Bobby yes. Bones how to drive a truck. So at the beginning of the show, if you're not familiar with Bobby Bones, what he does is he goes to all these different dangerous professions or uh, technical professions like deep sea scuba diving. The one I, you saw the guy, what was he, clean the skywalk? He was cleaning the bottom of the skywalk in the Grand Canyon, dude, hanging by ropes and stuff. And then another one, he lit himself on fire and jumped off a building. He was a, he was a, a stuntman, learning to be a stuntman. Yeah, it's like it's Crazy. like jackass, but for smart people, I guess. He, t- he finds really hard <laughs> jobs that we re- don't really know about that you really should earn some respect. And he goes out and he actually does the job, and it's quite crazy. Well, she's here with us. She's here with us. She'll be here with us in just a second. She is here with us. We just got to wait for her microphone to get on. Uh, moving these two guests. It's, uh, it's a new thing over here at What the Truck Studios. But she has Sheet Trucking Expo coming up. And this thing looks fantastic, Michael Vincent. It's September 17th it does. through 19th. It's got a ton of guests. It's got this great diverse cast. I mean, this has to be one of the most diverse logistics conferences yeah. I have seen put on. And I think that needs to be applauded as well. I'll give her a little cowbell for that one. And look at these sponsorships, too. She's got everyone from CNN on here. She's got very She's got a whole host of characters that have joined the team. Transfix as well. Uh, it's going to be happening Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's even a paint a truck going. Yeah, on I want to know what that is. Tr- it's called truck and paint. Truck and paint. I and know I know that, that we are going to grab some cameras. We're going to run over there and uh, say say hi to her. We'll say hi to her when uh, she's next to us as well. As soon as we get the the AOK, which no, is right now. So she's here good. you are, she's good. Cherie Moore. Thank you so much for joining us in studio. Thank you for having me. Now I got to tell you something. So. I didn't know what to expect when I put on the Bobby Bones thing. And it was actually my sister who, um, she was watching that with her kids. And she said, hey, um, they did a, they filmed a show with Bobby Bones. I didn't even know what Bobby Bones was yet. With Bobby Bones in Chattanooga. And they're driving a truck with someone I think it was like she trucking. And I'm like, I know that girl. Yes. <laughs> I know her. But, uh, we'll get into your expo. But first, because I'm so curious about this. How did um, like Discovery and the production team for that show get in touch with you? Um, they actually reached out on social media. So... They actually reached out to me, sent me an email, and they said, we would love to, you know, have you do this show. And I said, no, I don't want to do it. He <laughs> said I'm not no. An actor. <laughs> yes, I was like, I'm not an actor. I don't want to do it. And, and But it was the best thing that I could have ever done. And I, I was just, I'm a fan of Bobby Bones now, you know. And so it was an awesome show. Yeah, he seemed like a cool dude. And there was yeah. like, there's this great moment in there. And uh, was this a TV moment or was this a genuine moment? He was talking about his own his own background, his own issues with uh, with where he had grown up. And you were sharing the story about how your dad trucking saved your dad, right? He had been in prison, right? He got a second lease on life with trucking. I know that um, your mom, actually, we have a picture of her. She was a, she's a bus driver as well. So transportation runs in the family. Um, tell me about that moment. Well, yes, that was a real moment. At the time, I was 20 days out of my surgery. I was rear-ended in a car wreck, which brought me off the road, took me out the driver's seat. Now that you've seen the movie, you know, I mean, the TV show, you know what happens with that. But um, it, it, it took me out of the driver's seat, and, you know, being rear-ended in my car wreck. And so at that time, it was so real. I was going through this, 
this process and, and I'm talking about it. And, and then Bobby shared with me that he had been through similar, you know, adversities and how to overcome it. So it was a, it was a real moment that has taken me here to this expo, you know. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a great, it was a great moment, actually. Yeah. And that episode is excellent. Thank you for the homework because <laughs> I found a new show. But your your episode is what hooked me on the show. It was it was excellent. Um, but you, you mentioned in there, you know, your, your dad was your inspiration to drive, but he didn't want you to drive. Why did he not want you to drive? Well, a lot of women, when I first started, it was less than 5% women on the road. So, you know, my dad didn't see that this was a place for women to drive, and I proved him wrong. <laughs> As sure. we now have over 20,000 women in our Facebook community, She Trucking Foundation, so... Well, you are doing uh, amazing work out there. You're doing an amazing job with, with not just your branding, but your expo. We're going to jump into that. Before we do, I just got to ask you, what were the deleted scenes? What didn't we see on TV? <laughs> you know, they pretty much show everything except for him getting his CDL permit, which is the first step to getting your commercial driver's license. That's passing the general knowledge air brakes and combinations, which is about 95 tests. And so he actually failed twice that test. That test is very hard. And he talked about it on his show of, you know, going in thinking, oh, this is a piece of cake. And then going out and they say, boop, you fail. You know, and that's what a lot of us drivers feel, um, you know, that failure when you coming into this industry, whether it's with the testing, the backing, or just, you know, getting a, a familiar with the lifestyle of trucking. So that was the first real experience that he got to feel like a real truck driver. You know, I remember feeling that way when I failed my permit test as well. But I was able to help him and get him to pass. And then we was able to do the show. So. Now, Sheree, we've put on some events here at, at Freight Waves. And I know that you are putting on the She Trucking Expo. And we also know how difficult of an undertaking it is to put on an event. And I know that mm -hmm. you're doing a lot of this work yourself. But first of all, I got to applaud you. You're a super woman. Anybody who's Thank dealt with events you. knows how challenging it is. And they also know that a lot of people think it's a lot easier than it is. So they're like, oh, how hard can that be? It's extremely hard, people. It's very hard getting these things together. Yet you are. So tell me what was the idea behind the She Trucking Expo? Let's start there. So I... I felt like we needed an event for drivers during Trucker Appreciation Week to show our appreciation to our drivers because they are the, one of the most important components to this, how the whole logistics work, right? So um, I, I just, in my seven years of driving, haven't been, you know, to an event where I can talk to dispatchers, talk to brokers, build relationships with the team to understand the full industry as a whole. Also to meet other drivers, you know, and, and because this is a support system that has to be created in the trucking industry and building relationships, I know for me has been the important key, networking and building relationships. So I, you know, they call this Freight Alley, right? We at Freight yeah. Waves. So I thought, what are the perfect places to bring it home? Let's store at home. Let's bring every all the drivers into the city, all the semi-trucks into the city, and show them what we really represent in this industry, which is pretty much as a, a, a essential worker, you know, that we learned during COVID, right, as we keep moving. But see, the drivers didn't get a break. So we have to get them a mental break. And that's what we're doing at this event. We want to give them a mental break and empower them, to give them the knowledge and the tools and the, the resources to keep moving. We want to show our appreciation to say thank you for staying out on the road for two to three, you know, these last two years and not stopping. They did not stop. And they so passionate of serving our community. So I just want to show appreciation 
and say thank you. So, yeah, it, it, it looks like a great event. Can you talk to some of the things that are happening in that in an event? Yeah, we see a, a bunch of lovely faces, some yeah. familiar as well. I see Pierre Laguerre in there, and every time I hear him talk, he makes me feel like Kool-Aid uh, Man. Will I will be watching run right him for wall. sure. So we, we collaborated with some of our, uh, you know, industry leaders who are real big influencers on social media. They influence millions and millions of people. Like you spoke about Pierre, it, he's all about technology out, so smart, but started as a driver. Now running, you know, his company as a CEO. We want to show people like you can start as a driver and you can move into dispatching, you can move into brokering, you can move into different positions if you're not unable to drive. And that's what I experienced myself. So we got three days. The expo was from Friday and Saturday from 10 to 4 p.m. And then we have the truck and paint on Friday. It is from 5 to 8. And that's where we're going to, uh, we, we partner with Painting with a Twist. And so they are bringing out the easels and we are painting and we're going to listen to music because I learned that uh, a lot of drivers suffer from mental health. And so to deal with mental health, I learned that art therapy and music was the first step to healing. And so we are going to chime in mentally doing that truck and paint event. Then we're going to follow back up the, on Saturday from 10 to 4, opening up the expo. And then from we're having a, um, a dinner. It's a black tie gala. Everyone bring out your black outfits. Everyone has black in their closet, right? <laughs> so we bring you to the Southern Bell. We're having a dinner for all of our vendors, our sponsors, and attendees. And then we're taking a cruise on the Southern Bell for an hour and a half for relaxation. We do have two comedians that's going to be on our riverboat. Ooh. And one of them is local, Miss LOL. And then we have a, a Coinbridge, I forget his name. We have one of the comedians uh, that uh, is from Nashville that's coming down on our boat. And then we have Dr. Cheryl Woods, who's our keynote speaker. She's a TEDx international speaker. She speaks with Les Brown, Lisa Nichols, just everywhere, y'all. And she's coming to Chattanooga to speak to us. And Sunday, we have our truck appreciation cookout. We asking everyone, bring your bobtails to Camp Jordan. Um, after the cookout, we will, you know, move out in a convoy. So we want you to come out. We want every, all of our drivers to be able to eat. If you're on a 10-hour break, a 30-minute break, spend it with us because we have free truck parking at Camp Jordan. So I'm looking at this, too. It says yeah. there's training seminars. One of them is $10,000 on social media. What's that all about? So we have JT, Mr. JT Hustle. He's a YouTuber, and he makes $10,000 a week, right? He makes $10,000 a week per on social media. So we're bringing him in to teach you how you can make that on your social media. Because as we know, media and marketing is important. Wow. Okay, I want to do that. <laughs> it sounds like a great event. So you can learn how to make $10,000 a week. What are the other training seminars? Or what are the other information that the truckers are going to get when they come out here? Besides great meals, a black tie event, painting and some therapy there with painting and music, which I think I want to attend that. <laughs> so we have over 30 uh, speakers and seminar and workshops and seminars, right? So we are first talking about, you know, we, we have a lot of people who, who are not in transportation yet that are attending this event. We um, are setting up Sunday uh, at the EPB Community um, Plaza right there, mm -hmm. passing out thousands of tickets. We have 3,000 tickets to give away. And so we, um, we're going to be setting up there for, for people who are interested in coming in. We want to reach those 18 to 21 year olds, especially our young adults, to let them know you can get a commercial driver's license at 18. So we have a workshop, which is uh, how to get your CDL license. 
that's what everybody asks me, right? How yeah. do you get your commercial driver's license? We have how to purchase a truck. You know, how to be a truck investor. Okay, now that I have my truck, what's next? We have our compliance ladies, LLG coming in, teaching that. We have Mr. Adam Whitfield. He's started as a driver. He has uh, built a, a company called Innovative. He's bringing his inner portal. So if you in a dispatch training, then now, okay, now I know how to dispatch, but how do I keep all my trucks going? He has that inner portal that he'll be talking about. Um, we have everything from business credit. It's really all things business. Even if you're not in transportation, get in this room so you can learn and build your business. It's about going to the next level. And, and our goal is everyone who's in the room and that's at the expo will next year be on a whole different level. Now, Sheree, I got to ask you something. So you mentioned mental health a, a couple of minutes there ago, and with our next guest, we're actually going to be talking about that. But we're mm -hmm. talking more from the, the office worker perspective, who have been under a lot of pressure as well. Drivers always under a tremendous amount of pressure. You have personal experience behind the wheel. How do you stay level, and how do you stay positive, and how do you stay focused on the road and, and combat you know, some, of that, some of those issues that can come in mind? Man, uh, my middle name is Overcoming Adversity. This little stress truck, I got some for y'all. I'm bringing y'all stress trucks. Oh, listen, sweet. <laughs> because that right there has been my right, key. Check it out. I nice, always dude. have, when I feel overwhelmed and, and have anxiety, yeah. I squeeze on my stress truck. I pray. I'm a prayer as well. So prayer just, warrior. you know, keeping God first um, has been, and, and I let him lead me. Um, lately, I've been seeing numbers, one, 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 and I looked it up and it means angels are protecting me. So this is not really my work. I can't take it all. This is the work of God. Because like you said, it's hard to put an event together, but it's hard to do trucking, right? So I believe that me getting into the trucking industry prepared me for this moment here. I so how, how many stress uh, trucks did you tear up when you moved from the uh, eggs running over the eggs to the actual street with Bobby Bones driving? <laughs> or when he was doing that to the gears? I mean, he was He's in the truck. out those gears for he you. Was in the, but then he got in your truck. And uh, yes. did your truck run okay still? It, it, you know, he 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 didn't tear it up. As you see, I told him slow the truck down for real. <laughs> well, they gave uh, you a seat too, and they paid off. They paid off some debt too. So you got yeah. You got so they money. paid for my uh, insurance in full. Okay. Uh -huh. nice. They paid for my insurance which helped me to start my my trucking company, right? Oh. So the, the challenge that we, you know, face sometime in this industry with getting our, our own authority and be, going into ownership, you, you know, it, buying a truck is easy, right? So you can, you know, save your money, get uh, finance a truck, but it's, okay, now how do we pay this down payment for this insurance and keep that going, especially during slow season? So they eliminated that for me. I'm so thankful for them doing that. And then they get, bought me a... Uh, uh, a seat to put me back in the driver's seat. And I'm looking forward to getting that driver's seat, y'all. After this event, I got to try again, y'all. I'll be out there somewhere. <laughs> well, if you, want to, if you want tickets to the expo, you're going to go to shetruckingexpo.com. You want to watch your episode with Bobby Bones, you go to Disney Plus and look up Bobby Bones. It's excellent on there. Highly now, recommend Now, before you go, I gotta, we got to do two more things for you. One is I got to give you an invitation. So this, and this is also for you audience out there. So this is a, this is a business of generations. It's a business of family. This fall, we're going to be doing some bloodlines episodes of what the truck where we're having parents sibling who've been in this industry sibling sibling even maybe even married couples if you got a good pitch send it over to me tduner at freightwaves.com i know you and your dad have been in this industry hey maybe we'll bring your mom too you come on one of those episodes and join us again yes absolutely excellent my excellent. mom is on cnn with me because my mom taught me how to teach the permit as my mom was going through learning her permit 
um, she really, she just, you know, gave me the skills. Like, we was doing flash club, walking around the bus, doing the pre-trip inspection. So she's doing the CNN Champion for Change with me. Y'all will see that on CNN as they are coming to the expo. So, man, y'all get out the truck. Okay, yeah, now spin that wheel. Now spin that wheel. Got to send you to the wheel stupid questions here. What do we got here? What do we, we got? got a dealer's choice, my friend. Okay. All right, this is a good one then. So now I'm curious. So now you are Bobby Bones, okay? You're okay. Bobby Bones, and you're going to learn a dangerous profession. What are you going to learn? Me? Yeah. Yeah. The uh, dangerous profession. Um, you know, let's, you know what? When they did the diving, I thought that was the coolest thing. And I'm a Pisces, so I want to try that diving. Okay, you're yeah. a water bear. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right, well, Sheree, thank you so much. Yeah. We look forward to seeing you at the event. I know you invited us to bring some cameras, do some what the truck stuff, get some interviews, get some footage. So we'll uh, we'll get some of that. We're really looking forward to what's coming up in September. We hope we see you all there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Sheree. Great to see you. Now, we talked about mental health. Mental health is a topic that's come up here quite a bit, and I think it's a really important one to address. And I'm happy that we have a great guest to do with. It's Nate Schutz. He's a VP of Global Fulfillment and Logistics over at Blue Dot, and he's here with us now. Nate, thanks so much. Absolutely. Good morning. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice now, to see you both. Today. Nate, this, this kind of came about in, in the way most of these things do. Like she ended up on Bobby Bones because of social media. Most of my guests end up on what the truck because of social media because I'm on there a lot. And uh, that's yeah. how ideas are shared. And there was this one tweet and it was like supply chain in 2021 is like holding on to a low voltage electric fence. It won't kill you, but eventually you'll go insane. And now <laughs> it, it's funny to laugh at, but there's a real truth here that there are a lot of people working in this industry who are feeling a bit crushed and trapped and there's a confluence of things coming at them, right? It's already a difficult and demanding profession. It's one that, especially if you're on the outside or well, in trucking side as well, um, you're, ne it's, you're never thanked, right? It's everything's always late. Everybody's always pissed off at you. Uh, you don't get a lot of praise. You don't get a lot of pat in the backs. And it may not be the industry if you need that kind of thing. But for those of us who suffer through, you get some advice for us, Nate. Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is uh, everybody's experience is completely unique. Um, and, and every single one of them needs to be recognized and paid attention to. And so in 2021, you have everybody experiencing a pandemic, but then you add to that, there's social challenges and cultural issues kind of interacting with one another. There's um, a lot of people are experiencing financial distress, relationship challenges. You, you know, just keep adding those things one on top of the other. And people aren't uh, they don't have a limitless amount of stress that they can take on. And so I think one of my goals has always been specifically for my team here at Blue Dot, but also for anybody that I that I work with or come across in the industry is we're people first and then we are professionals second, whether you're a truck driver or you're a dispatcher or you're an executive sitting in an office or you drive a forklift. Everybody has their own unique experience inside of work and outside of work and the, the low voltage electric fence is an analogy I've used for many, many years of there is hardly ever an immediate shock that'll wreck everything. But there is this low level latent stress that builds and builds and builds. And for professionals in the supply chain, we value certainty more than just about anything. I want predictability. I want to know when I push this button, I'm going to get this result. And Right now, none of that is happening. So all the tools that people have relied on for years, you look at ocean freight, hey, I can make a booking with a freight forwarder or a steamship line, and I can expect that to sail at a certain time and arrive at a certain time. And so I can structure all of my demand planning around that and my purchase orders around that, and then my outbound fulfillment around that. 
well, what happens when the calculator is broken and nothing actually works the way that it that it has for decades? And so you add this professional stress on top of it that everybody feels differently. But to me, at the end of the day, we're all people, regardless of what we do. And so how do we actively listen to people where they're at and try to support them? Because another thing that I say frequently is, you know, supply chains are made of people. It's not really made of processes or technology or assets. Nathan, Nathan, hold on a second. Let's let's jump in here for a minute. Let's jump in. Uh, you have a personal story as well. Let's get into that. Let's let let let's uh, let's get your own voice to this subject as well. Sure. I mean, for me, it's it's extremely personal. I lost a brother to suicide when I was in my mid twenties, and uh, he struggled with mental health challenges himself. He was bipolar, and um, and dealt with that in some not very healthy ways, and that led him down a very destructive path, and it changed the course of my life. And ever since then, I've taken it as somewhat of a passion of mine to, to always be available for people who are in distress or who may be near a crisis moment. Um, I know you, you know, you shared with me also that you've had your own challenges and, and how you reached out and actually got help. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I, I did a TEDx about that, actually filmed right here. I was TEDx Chattanooga last year, and I was talking about my own journey from um, depression and uh, being an alcoholic. You're always an alcoholic if you're an alcoholic. So yeah, I am, right. even though I don't drink and have been dry for years, I'm still an alcoholic. But, you know, that's how I started podcasting, too. So I started podcasting right after I got out of a dual diagnosis facility for alcoholism and depression. And um, it's always been very tied and tethered to that. And that's, I think, why I'm in a lot of ways, so passionate because this is what helps me keep the drag, the the the, the shield over the dragon, right? It helps yeah. me seal away the demon, the boulder in front of the cave with the with the monsters inside. <laughs> I tell you, and I haven't spoken about it really publicly at all. But just at the beginning of this show, I was going into a little bit of a panic attack, and it's one of those things where I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit. When you talked about we all experience it differently, for me, it was. I never knew that I had this stress. And then one day, boom, it just crashed. And it crashes hard on you when that happens, Yeah. right? And then it was 12 years of drugs to keep it, uh, I mean, prescription, right? Yeah. I mean, it was being prescribed Xanax, and I kicked that a year ago. I just said, you know what? I can't depend on this stuff and get myself healthy again. So it still comes and goes, and I can fight it off. But it's that, it's that, like you said, that low-voltage fence. But it's almost like it's building up a battery, and then it just lets go with a million volts, Right. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. And, and actually, my own personal experience in the last, you know, three or four weeks has been very similar to that of, you know, the first thing usually to go when you're dealing with lots of stress is your sleep. And so you wake up each day and you're not fully rested and you're not dealing with a full tank to start. And so maybe you start to get a little bit edgy. And then a few things don't quite go your way. And, you know, the, the pressure never goes away to perform in, in supply chain and logistics. There's always a get more orders you know, to the customer, you know, satisfy the demand that's out there, um, take care of, of those who, you know, keep your business going. And then you can't sleep the next night because you're, you're worried about those things. And once that happens, your anxiety starts to go, maybe your diet starts to go downhill. Mm -hmm. I usually a pretty healthy eater um, in the last couple of years, but over the last six weeks, I found myself accidentally driving to fast food restaurants for lunch again. And I haven't done that for, you know, at least 12 months. And when that starts to happen, those are my early warning signals of my, my sleep starting to go. My, my eating isn't as, as healthy as it is. And then for some, maybe it, it becomes a chemical or a substance that I can't sleep. I need something to sleep. And so I'm going to pursue a, a potentially destructive path. And um, for me, even just a couple of weeks ago, I had some bad news delivered and trying to work through some situations and found myself in 
one of my colleagues' offices and just unable to speak. I was trying to, to mm-hmm. communicate some um, news and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And in, the, in that moment, um, my colleague just sat me down. And he's like, Nate, take a deep breath. Uh, you're safe. You're okay. You're not, you're not in any danger. My body was having a, a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, so well, we well, sat Nate- down in his office and well, I think one of the reasons, too, we like to normalize this conversation, and, and that's kind of cool that he did that. But, you know, in my experience and, and in Vincent's experience walking through this, this tends to be a, a business that is driven by a lot of machismo, or at least it used to be. Oh, yeah. And there's yeah, a lot yeah. of, um, I hate to use the term, but there is a lot of toxic masculinity in, oh, yeah. in this business, sure. and there long was. And if you were to say something like, you know, I, I need a personal day because of, you, you would be denigrated. You would be called the P word. You would be called, you know, oh, he's sad. You would be dismissed. You wouldn't even be able to live it down. And it would make if that you took a day off for a broken worse. leg, they'd make fun of you. They would, I know. <laughs> the, the logistics officers are the kind of place where like you call in, a lot of them, you call in sick, or at least what I did. And you come in to be glared at by everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's, not the, sometimes it's not the most welcoming environment. I would say this. Every single person that I've had a conversation with that maybe fits that, uh, description that you're offering. Every single person who's come to me in a moment of need and has gotten through that hurdle afterwards has come back to me and said, I wish I would have done that 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have, I wish I would have talked to somebody earlier. I thought this meant I was weak. And instead, yeah. now I realize I've actually been trying to be like an emotional bodybuilder and carry every burden of myself and my family and my peers and my kids and everything else. And I'm trying to be the hero and keep it all together. And the truth is you can't, if you're not in, if you're not healthy yourself, you can't take care of those around you. And without fail, every single time, um, it's the most stoic people that end up shedding the most tears and feeling the most relief and it changes their life. Yeah, Nate. Oh, this has been. Um, really we'll have stuff. to have you on again soon. Is and because there's uh, there's actually the the actual stuff you do for work that I wanted to get into too. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Yeah. Toad's Wild Ride is coming to an end. But before we do, we got to send you the wheel because you're new on the show. So oh, spin yeah. that wheel we of stupid questions for him and see what it comes whoa, up with. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you got there? All right, here we go. All right, Nate. How do you open up a banana from the stem or from the bottom or perhaps in another way? There is only one way, and it is from the top. Ooh. The stem? No, you're and, completely wrong. Monkey style. And if you get it just right, strands down with it, and you get a hand. <laughs> He's gonna argue with you, Nate. <laughs> of course, I am. There's only one right, right answer. It should make a crisp pop. There should be no squished banana, and it should come off in three equal sides. And then when you're done, you can just drop the peel right in the garbage. It's the now, only way. This is almost as wrong as Michael case. Vincent, who uses scissors to open his. I don't use scissors. You to use open scissors. My... <laughs> hey, how do people follow you on Twitter and communicate with you and, and social network? I am at Logistics Twit on Twitter. Um, and my final call out is if anybody does need help, there's a ton of resources out there. Check your employee assistance program. There are hotlines. There's uh, mentalhealth.gov. There's AA.org. There's a national suicide hotline. That's 800-273-TALK. Um, if you need help, get help. And if you need someone to listen, we're here. Right on. Nate, thank you once again. Thank you for sharing your, your story. And thank you for helping us normalize the conversation around mental health. It's okay to not be okay, people. Take it easy. Thanks, Nate. I thought right. everybody ate a banana with a fork. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> there's two things sending everyone to the ICU and the ER these days. One of them is the Delta variant raging through, and the other one is the Milk Crate Challenge. Let's go inside the newsletter.
You've got mail. All right. Have you tried this milk crate challenge yet, or are you at least familiar with it? I am familiar with it. I have not tried it. Okay, so the milk crate challenge, for those who don't know, you take uh, roughly, if you're doing it the right way, you're taking 36 milk crates, you're stacking them one, then two, then three, then four, then five, yeah. then six is the top middle one, then you got to walk back down. Now, there's all these videos on TikTok and Twitter of, you know, they're like teens, people in their 20s, they're, they're going up this thing, you get to the top, and that's where everything goes awry, because you no longer have the support of the other side, everyone starts wobbling, people are falling, smashing their backs, <laughs> smashing their ankles, getting concussions, having bloody heads, all of these kind of things. Well, but it got me thinking, you know, as I'm yeah. watching people bleed out, I'm like, who made the milk crate? Where did it even come from? That's Here's this gentleman who made the milk crate. He's right here. Look, he's sitting on them. I don't know if he's ever done the milk crate challenge himself, but I can tell you this. Back in the 50s and 60s, he worked for a uh, dairy collective, right? And they, he's Australian. They were tasked with uh, milk sales were burgeoning milk sales, right? Yeah. And we talk about final mile all the time. Well, final mile in dairy, there you we're go. bringing the milk in the milk box. And they right. needed a better solution. And they needed a standardized solution so they could sell this to all the different dairy farmers. Makes so sense. he was in Europe, and he saw a plastic case like that that was holding a couple pints in it. And he said, you know what? We should standardize this and make it. So in 1962, he put together the standardized milk crate. And ever since, it has been here. And now um, he gets to... Uh, he gets to sigh and, I don't know, as people injure themselves, uh, his, uh, his beautiful device there. But did you know also that... He's hiding from the nuclear verdicts right now. So this is going to be the next great container shortage, though, right? Yeah. Because yeah. if you think about it, you need 36 milk crates at a time. And most people, I mean, if you have a milk crate, you might have like one or two lying yeah, around. Yeah, I got a couple. I don't have... Well, well the, the International Dairy Foods Association even has a website set up about this. And they say, are you a milk crate theft victim? Are you a victim of milk crate theft? We should get t-shirts, milk crate theft victim and there's the what the truck logo on the back. Yeah, we should. I'm a milk crate theft victim. Well, apparently <laughs> right. it's somewhat of an issue. They say 80, and this is a 2009 number. I don't know if it's a big issue because they haven't updated it in 12 years. But it's at $80 million in milk crates are stolen annually. But they're not for milk crate challenges. You know what people no. are doing with them? I know what we used to do with them. What? <laughs> we used to keep records in them. Oh, well, no. Vinyl. They're, used to keep my vinyl and build, uh, you know. You used to have a lot of records. Build shelves and stuff like that with them. You'd have to be... um. <laughs> well, what they're doing anyway. is melting them down, I guess, for the for the plastic is the deal with with, with that. Uh, what else do we got? Is in that the what new... they're doing? They're melting it down? Melting it down for the plastic. Wow. Okay. It seems like copper wire. Or there's just I was just going to say copper wire. I mean, it, catalytic don't converters. Don't steal these. Yeah, I was going to say, go get the catalytic converters. We need the milk crates. Save the milk crates. Hey, in Pennsylvania, you can do 90 years. 90, not 90 years. 90 you got 90 years, years for stolen milk crates. You can do 90 days. Yeah, 90. that's... What are that's... you in for? Stolen milk crates, man. Stolen milk, milk crates. Crate all right. Another thing we've been talking about, obviously, we've been talking about the um, the, the consumer focus, right? Uh, retail yeah. direct-to-consumer brands. And yeah. the big trend at the beginning of the pandemic is that direct-to-consumer brands, they were doing great because so many people moved online. Uh, Amazon was out of stock at a lot of stuff, and it sent yeah. people out into the wild again. It even sent me out in the wild. I was, yeah, looking, sure I was ordering more directly from websites than ever. But something funny happened. Oof. The freight market went to hell, right? Something funny happened on the way to work. Something yes. funny happened. The freight market went to hell. I mean, look at these rates right now. This is the rates through the pandemic. This is a full year long yeah. of rates from uh, the beginning of 2020. It's a hell of a chart. All the way up until now, right? <laughs> and you, you look at this thing and it moves. Well, actually, this is all going all the way back to 2019. Yeah. So we move into 2020. You can set massive dip down in May when it went well under $2 and actually got down to like 89 cents a mile in some instances. Um, and that's when all of the truckers wanted to go in front of the White House, right? Stopped. Yeah, we had a couple of weeks there where they were complaining they wanted a floor built into the everything, right? Yeah, a handful. And yeah. yeah, exactly. They wanted a, a ceiling and, and a floor put into it. Right. I'm sure I'm glad they had. They didn't do that, though, because one year later and a few months later, by the time by the time they were in August, 
were over 250. Yeah, you know? I don't think that floor would have been three bucks. This is a thing. And now <laughs> we're at the too. highest. <laughs> we're now we're at the highest this has been in the series is three dollars and forty one cents. Very good if you're, you know, if you're profiting off that. Flyers direct to consumer brands, that's just the start of it. Not only are you paying a ton of money in these truck load rates, but in the parcel side of it, they're getting crushed too with all of the surcharges. And here's just an example, because we talk about the bigger companies yeah, yeah, yeah. about their earnings. But one. I care about the people. And yes. I care about these smaller companies. You, well, follow, you are a man of the people. Well, I follow small companies on business too, and it's really cool. Like one of them is is Michael Patron on, yeah. on Twitter, and he covers He's an Amazon seller. He's an eight-figure Amazon seller, and he um, was doing really well up until recently. Now he's had to contend with the, the challenges of Amazon, which is very strict against sellers, especially with, with the challenges out of your control with on time in full and all of those kind oh, yeah. of things yeah, yeah, that yeah. are beyond there. Um, Amazon's own algorithm kind of works against a lot of these different sellers. But he had one of these stories, and I'm sure this happened to a lot of you recently. He posted last week after a two-week de- uh, a two-week delay at the Port of Savannah that cost him two thousand dollars in demurrage, no fault of his own. They just couldn't get the container. Yeah. There's two cancellations by his truckload carrier. His shipment finally arrives. They open it out. It's someone else's stuff, man. It's someone else's <laughs> stuff. Then he's got to call another truck, and yeah. that's another thousand. Now you're a giant company. You can absorb for these kind of things in your margin. But if you are a smaller Amazon seller, eight figures is great. But I mean, a lot of, I mean, it's not like it's high margin items, Vincent. No, I mean, it's insane. He's got to be, he pays $2,000 for something that wasn't his fault and then pays for it to be delivered. It's not even his. So now he's got demurrage on his stuff that's there. Meanwhile, the guy who's, it's his. Are they charging him demurrage for the, the thing going back and forth and not being utilized in return too? I mean, it's a container. Did he pay demurrage for in the two-day minds, delivery? For the container owner's mind, they say, it doesn't matter to us. You have the container. Yeah, you have it. Not it, Look yeah. at the ports. Let's take a look at this map of the ports right now. This is another huge issue that's going on. We talk about it all the time. But this week on Monday, 40-plus container ships at Anchor. We might break the record this week. Look at all of those things just sitting out there in San Pedro Bay at LA, Long Beach. Um, if you're watching, if you're listening to the audio version on the video version, we have a picture of this, but it's also in the What the Trick newsletter. I use this image. Um, but even worse is you're just waiting to wait. So you get here, you got to wait over seven days. But at, back at Origin, just to get the vessel loaded, get your container on the ship, using data from Danish liner consultancy EEC highlights, splash 247, put these numbers out. Today's about 48 bucks. Ships waiting at Ningbo. Yeah. Uh, what do we got here? Shanghai, 52%. Yantian, 68%. Hong Kong, 55%. Shiwan, 67%. It's a mess out there. You know it's a mess. We'll get even deeper into it on Friday when NASA joins us back on this very show. Find me on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be with this Wednesday. Hey, man, peace and love. Spread it everywhere. <laughs>